welcome again to the Wide World of Wargaming Age of Sigmar podcast. As always, I am your host, Alex, with my fellow hosts and friends. We got John, Garrett, and Jeremy today. Uh, you know, this is our first episode of the new year, 2020, new year, new decade. And without having to go into about a dozen or several dozen uh, dad jokes about the new year, the new decade, or what have you, uh, let's just talk about the workbench instead. Um, John, what is on your workbench? Oh, well, see, and I was going to make a dad joke about uh, Happy New Decade to you there. Uh, you know what? Young Fire Mr. away. Alex. Uh, that Fire was it. away. That's, that's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> I, as you know, I am actually terrible at dad jokes. Uh, we have some uh, friends and teammates that excel at them. Uh, my sense of humor is a little bit wetter than the uh, typical dad joke. So uh, wetter <laughs> you know, and bluer. <laughs> so, you uh, know, John, I haven't painted a single model this entire decade. <laughs> see there you go there you okay. go that's it get out uh, other than that uh you know i've been on vacation for about two weeks now uh just coming into the last few days of my vacation and uh this has been a staycation for me lots of family stuff uh my wife got a new dog about a month ago so i've actually been hanging out with the dog and going for long walks and all that good stuff and in the middle of that i have been on a hobby goddamn frenzy for the last uh, at least 10 days. Uh, so, I mean, I, I couldn't even go into what I've built. I've probably put together almost $1,000 worth of GW models, uh, Primaris Marines, uh, Sisters of Battle, all kinds of stuff. I've just been basically going through anything that's in my hobby room and not built and putting it together. And as I'm uh, kind of finishing up a couple models today, I have my eye on these Canary Life Takers that have been sitting on my shelf for a while, as well as some uh, some endless spells that need to be built. And I kind of want to get it all done before the end <laughs> of my vacation. Other than that, uh, I kicked off this vacation by running the Winter wars uh of course that was a, a wonderful two-day uh, gt uh we didn't quite have enough players to actually crack the the 20 person gt level for itc but we still played two days five rounds and all 16 players that we did have had a, a wonderful great time uh garrett and i uh maybe you and i could talk a little bit about some of the scoring things i tried on there i'm not sure if you took a look at the packet but i was actually experimenting with some different scoring concepts. Now, I did use uh, secret objectives, or as I called them, not secret objectives, so that we made sure that everybody knew what they were, no shenanigans there. Uh, but beyond that, I actually took and lowered the points available for winning a mission down pretty far and then upped the points for the uh, secondary. So, uh, Garrett, did you get a chance to look at uh, what I did with scoring? And uh, you got any thoughts on that, by the way? I have not yet taken a look. Um, I will definitely have to have a more in-depth conversation with you when I do take a better look. Uh, I was busy uh, this end of the year getting ready because I did a seven-day trip into California, actually. out left uh, the East Coast, went out to the West Coast. Um, <clears throat> we flew out Christmas Day and landed in Fresno to then drive up to the mountains of Mariposa. And uh, stayed there with my wife's family, my in-laws. So we stayed there for a while. Had a good time. Was relaxing. Uh, I've been catching up on a lot of work. Have to do a bunch of stuff in preparation for LVO, as I always do this time of year. Uh, so on my workbench, I don't really have much other than a computer and a bunch of code. So, uh, oh, yeah. Hobby progress there, man. I know, right? Uh <laughs> I mean, I've basically gotten my entire Sylvaneth army commission painted at this point, so I've been getting a bunch of games in leading up to winter break. Um, and I have a tournament that I'm going to be running in the local scene, an LVO prep event on the 11th. So getting everything excited and ready for that, and then hopefully going to go to another event on the 18th before flying out to LVO. So we'll be bringing my Sylvaneth to those. But otherwise... Just relaxing, getting settled back into the house. Just got back uh, a couple days ago on New Year's Day. So, um, and then also, uh, I'm going to be getting another dog, a puppy now. And oh, so, boy. Yeah. So, we're uh, frantically realizing that we need to remember what it's like to 
uh, have an eight week old puppy and we're like, crap, we need to puppy proof the house. We need to make sure everything's ready. So that's probably going to be my project for the next couple of weeks before, because we're going to pick up the puppy the week before I leave for LVO. And then my oh, wife wow. gets to have the puppy alone for the five days I'm gone. Cause I arrive, I leave like six in the morning on Thursday to get to LVO and I get back midnight on Monday. So wow, it's going to be, uh, that's, that's quite uh, impressive there. You know, Garrett, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, I, I also mentioned that we recently added a, a dog to our household. And um, as I, of course, mentioned over the summer, we had to, uh, you know, our, my, my previous dog passed away uh, over the summer. And Donna and I were actually going to wait until after the LVO to get uh, another puppy because I felt that was the best track of time for me to uh, dedicate several months to the early training of a, a new dog around our household. Mm-hmm. But about a month ago, Donna decided, she's like, you know what? I need a dog now. We want a dog around the house. And she goes, in fact, and, and she, when she like went to quote, ask me, I said, well, you're not even going to ask. I, you don't have to ask me. You're an adult. That's like, I don't ask you before I buy a new Warhammer <laughs> army. So if you decide you want a dog, get a dog. Right. And, uh, she goes, I don't want to deal with a puppy. I don't want to deal with the, the potty. I don't want to deal with the chewing on stuff. I want to get a, a rescue dog. So she got a, a wonderful five-year-old uh, mixed mutt, you know, who God knows what he's mixed with. But great, great, smart dog. Except <laughs> we've had to re-potty train him. So I mean, oh, you know, poop on the floor. Now, luckily, uh, after day one, we got him to go on the pad. So at least he's going on a pad and we have to clean the pad up. <laughs> and uh, right before we started recording, I had accidentally left my uh, wireless headphones on the couch as I came in the uh, the hobby room to prepare for recording. And I hear this crunching noise. I go, oh, no. And I oh, run out no. there and he's just chewed up my my wireless headphones. I go, ah. And I'm I'm dying because <laughs> uh, all the things that Donna wanted to avoid by getting a, an older rescue dog, <laughs> we're still dealing with. So I, I just putting that out there for you guys. Whether you get a puppy or just a new dog in your house, I don't think it matters. You, you better plan that you're going to go through a nice training and break-in period whenever you bring that new dog in the house. <laughs> yeah, we uh we got a rescue dog back in the summer and uh we the it ended up only having the dog for two weeks before he quickly succumbed to cancer. Oh my gosh. And, yeah, so we decided to go back to getting a puppy and we're actually uh getting a puppy for uh canine companions for independence. And so we're gonna get the dog at eight weeks old and we're going to raise it for two years and then give it back. We'll then get advanced training to be uh, companion dogs for people with disabilities. Oh, that's so, excellent. Oh, that's, awesome. that's excellent. That's funny. I actually um, immediately enrolled in some uh, more advanced training for Donna as well. She's actually over the next four months going to go through a, a 24 session uh, sort of uh, not protection training. That's the kind of training I've done with dogs in the past where, you know, uh, defense dogs, as it were, uh, police style training. Uh, for this one, she's going for more uh, advanced behavioral uh, canine good citizen certification. Mm, yeah. And uh, possibly if the dog shows uh, uh, a little bit of agility skills uh, going towards the Schutzhund type agility stuff, but uh, definitely not a protection dog this time. But I, I tell you, I applaud you for what you're doing with that dog. I'm a, I'm a big believer that a well-trained animal is a happy and amazing companion for a person but uh, an untrained animal is just that an animal so yeah no it's it's interesting we went to one of the training sessions for the C, the local cci chapter and i have like my dog i love him i always feel he's a little uh, unbehaved and watching the dog the puppies i am reminded how much effort i have put into training my dog and how he's mu- he's actually a very good dog yes and i'm like yes. i'm like yes. oh cr-. but i'm remembering how much energy i'm gonna have to put into this eight week old puppy i'm like right i did a lot of work into my dog and i get to do it all over again i'm super excited yeah but people people forget once you've had that dog for three or four years yeah it's wonderful obedient companion that doesn't chew on anything that Mm -hmm. knocks on the door to let you know that it needs to go out and go potty and all this stuff. You're like, Oh yeah, that's right. I spent six months or a year (laughs) instilling these values in this young animal. (laughs) So yeah, no, uh, I'm, but I am really excited. We're getting a yellow lab named stellar. And, uh, 
So, yep, gonna be gonna be exciting. But uh, yeah, so my hobby progress will probably be fairly stunted. Uh, go leading up to LVO. I think the one thing I'm gonna try to work on is I want to finish building some of my terrain because I'm experimenting with some different terrain layouts and trying to figure out what a good AOS terrain layout that kind of creates a good like line of sight blocking experience. And I'm, I'm trying, so I'm using a lot of trying to integrate some 40k terrain into Age of Sigmar and seeing how it works out. Very nice. So, anyways, Jeremy, I know that you're here. Uh, haven't heard from you in a while. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm uh, the good old same old. Uh, this holiday season's been a full of uh, alcohol, food, and uh, and a lot of nothing because everybody who plays Warhammer was out of town for me uh, this entire Sorry. time. Sorry, been at, while well, you're apologizing, uh, and then uh, the um, my workbench right now is uh, pretty much like not. Not, nothing really do, going. I, I've uh, picked up the Slaves of Darkness book. I, I got some uh, models to assemble for playtesting. I sent Garrett uh, what I thought was an amazing corn army, and then Garrett shot on it. So thank you, Garrett. I will, You're welcome. Uh, I, I remember that. <laughs> and then I will probably at some point take it to like a GT win with it and shove Garrett's face in it. But that's oh, all right. Oh, <laughs> right. Guns are out tonight. <laughs> Yeah, but if you win based on your skill as a general instead of on the list, then what uh, Garrett said is probably still true. Yeah, I know. But damn it, John, I don't want reason to be the decider in this. Um, (laughs) New Year's resolution, throw a reason to win. I do have to say for my Warhammer resolution this year, I would like to, I think, uh, uh, try to not play uh with buy too many armies i think is the uh, goal this year <laughs> it's really easy not to buy too many armies when you already own them all yeah it's a little challenging when the next two books coming out are two armies that do not own so uh but other than that um yeah <laughs> alex what's on your workbench uh, yeah well uh you know i was traveling a lot for the holidays you know going here there everywhere um getting back into the hobby swing of things i uh you know right now i have a lot of obr as usual on my workbench um you know i was pretty certain i had a list that i wanted to bring to lvo and then you gave me an idea and we tested that idea and now you know i'm like crap i don't know I mean, so right now, just in case, all day today, pretty much, I've been slowly painting up Catacross and his crew um, just to get them all squared away, you know, as soon as possible, just in case I do end up bringing him. So he's been the topic, him and his him and his boyos. So, you know, I've done a lot of experimenting today on, um, you know, paint schemes in order to give him you know, kind of a light color without being the color straight from the the recommendations in the book. Um, you know, just like a light, very light bluish kind of hue, but all basically, you know, essentially white or, or very light gray in scheme. So right now we're uh, painting up him and his, and his boyos, his buddies. Um, you know, each one is kind of a different color essentially, but not drastically because, you know, they, they have that case system involved or cast system involved in uh, OBR. So, you know, the guys who are the foot, the foot, you know, soldiers, the foot ninjas, they have real basic color, not a lot of variety. Whereas, you know, the, the other guys, the bodyguards, they get a little bit more complicated and a little higher up the ranks. They have a lot more stuff going on. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun little kit to build up despite it being a $110 for two sprue. Yeah, that that sprue, like when I first but got my uh, my uh, catacross and I I opened that box and I, and I think I even texted you like immediately. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, uh, f- I've never paid if I've never paid so much money for the least amount of plastic in my life. Truly, <laughs> oh, that's right. There's going to be no bits and no options in there either because it's just one big character, yeah. huh? That is correct. Yeah. Oh man, it is. Uh, it was. Uh, I mean, the model is amazingly beautiful uh it just was a little disappointing to spend that like 110 dollars for two sprues with my new my and there was a lot of like 
air in between the bits. Like it was definitely not a fully utilized crew either. Yeah, uh, there's there's a few kits that are out there like that. Wait, like what's that one uh, from the Stormcast Eternal uh, where it's the guy on the Toralon, the wizard on the Toralon? I forget his name. Oh but yeah, that, that's the uh, same yes. kind of thing where you spend. I think it's like not, it's either a ninety five or a hundred and ten dollar kit. You crack it open and it's two sprues. There are maybe maybe 30 pieces out of the two sprues because they're mostly large pieces uh no extra bits no little like like if i open up a, a kit like that and even if it's just a character like i want all the extra space on that sprue filled with little bits that i can use on other projects or to de- decorate other characters or make my base look cool something right yeah, yeah. i just got a lariel and she's uh 130 dollars, and she's only two sprues but they are it's a densely packed two sprues so yeah lariel's super um super gorgeous model you know yeah she's thick she's thick she's thick (laughs) well i mean you know it's well you know with a lariel i mean like you know it's so funny that yeah some of these kits are such a great um you know deal in terms of bits and some aren't you know by comparison this other list that i have which you know as i talked to you garrett right before we started recording today you know it's like i have this list in mind that i'm excited about and then you know jeremy's trying to basically shake me and be like no bring this one to lvo which like he's not wrong but like i'll learn um (laughs) you know the the leeds clavos which i really like that model it's only 60 dollars, but you know you get the option to make the named clavos or a standard one and like you get a lot of bits with it you can do a lot of converting you can make one kit and magnetize it or magnetize just the mount and pick your favorite mount out of the other out of the the either dragon look the dracoth looking one or the, the horse looking one and then you have a huge amount of conversion potential for anything else you want to run so like sometimes these one model kits have a lot of variety sometimes they just don't which is really unfortunate but you know it is what it is hey alex go ahead and say hi to your uh, cat for me back there (laughs) oh yeah cat's going a little nuts right now it's okay she's a Uh, beauty i love your cat i know she is a little sweetheart for our listeners uh, her name is dixie she's a uh you know, uh, we're, we're fostering her, but that fostering situation might be in air quotes there. Uh, As it usually is. Yep. As it typically is. That's right. Um, but yeah, she's just uh, usually when I'm here, uh, my fiance is in the other room, you know, doing her thing, working on something, cooking a meal or doing whatever. And, uh, you know, she uh, she can give our needy little girl the much needed attention she deserves. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about cats and dogs. We are here to talk about Age of Sigmar and the Mortal Realms. Um, and, you know, this is our first episode of uh, 2020. You know, there's been a lot that's gone on. Uh, and I think that this last year, 2019, was one of the biggest years Games Workshops ever had, or the biggest year Games Workshops ever had in terms of, you know, kind of just releases, especially when it comes to um, Age of Sigmar, you know. We've had, I mean, Garrett, you, you've shared with us just a moment ago uh, the fact that we've had, what, 12 Battle Tomes this, this, in 2019? Yep, 12 Battle Tomes. It's a nice little three by, uh, four by three box in the app if you buy every Battle Tome. Of, so you get to have a little block of your 2019 block. It's not, it's so insane. It's insane. Oh well, wait a second. Now now I'm wondering which one of the 2019 battle tomes that I managed to not buy. Let's see. I have uh, Slaves to Darkness, Ossiarch Bone Reapers, Ogre Maw Tribes, Oric War Clans, Cities of Sigmar, Sylvaneth, Heed Knights of Slanesh, Fire Slayers, Blades of Corn, Flesh Eater Courts, and Skaven. What what else am I missing? Gloom spike gets. Oh, gloom. Was that this year too? I thought that was. That was January. Oh my god! It was released in January. Okay. Right before LVO. Absolutely right, man. And you know what? And I had bought that battle tome as a hard copy instead of through the app. That's that's why my block is incomplete. The the lower corner (laughs) of my block has Night Haunt in it. By the way, Garrett. (laughs) Ah. My not beast of chaos. Uh, no, uh, I did not buy the Beasts of Chaos uh, Battle Tome in the app either. I was, uh, for a, a kind of a period there, I was deciding whether, like, the ones that I thought I might actually play, I was buying in the app, 
and ones that I was buying more to read the fluff and just kind of enjoy, learn about, I was buying hard copy. Nowadays, I just mm. buy everything. <laughs> yeah, you just got to. Only way to keep on top of things. Exactly. The, uh, it's, I'm just curious if they're going to be able to maintain this pace for next year. Can you imagine like 12 more books next year? Um, I hope not. Honestly, I hope they slow down and release more I mean, FAQs. It, 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 that would be nice, but you know, they're going to, you know, they're a miniature company. So they're going to release like at least another like army next year, right? There's going to be a brand new army next year. I mean, well, they're releasing two new armies come this weekend, I think, in pre-order. Well, I mean, like, are. new models, like, completely, like, new army, oh. like, you know, elves. We still haven't gotten, in, like, since we're... I'd be okay with two new major faction releases, plus, like, three more, three or four more, you know, so, like, six books right. in the year. I'm okay with wow, that. that right. That's that's a solid year. That, that is is a, a tall task, though. That's I mean, a, at this point, are there, are there even six factions to be released? And I'm I'm hard pressed to to kind of. Well, they can start re-releasing. What was that? They can start re-releasing like Nurgle. Mm. Uh, they got Soulblight. They could do. They got the uh, elves. They do Shadow Elves and the Light Elves. Um, I mean, Daughters of Cain, Deepkin uh, need new books. Oh. Tech, like, basically, anything released pre before 2.0 technically should use a new book. So, I mean, Legions and Nagash. Once Soulblight comes out, I think you could get rid of Legions and Nagash. Um, okay, that, and, what about all your? Yeah, I was just gonna say if we look at what was released last year, I guess about a third of the books last year were uh, re-releases of previous armies. Yeah, exactly. So we can get re. I mean, this year even we had Fire Slayers were re-released, Blades of Corn were re-released, Sylvaneth was re-released. Um, uh, let's see here, Skaven, uh, Flesh Eater, of course, was re-released. So there's a couple of re-releases this year. Um, but yeah, no, I think re-releasing the kind of older tomes that have the, you know, not the same language as 2.0, like you don't have the holy within language or the unmodified six language, re-release those books. And, uh, then you got the new elf factions, you got new KO, Zinch and Seraphon coming out. I mean, there's three books. There's three of the six I want right there. Zinch, KO and Seraphon done halfway there yeah, and you you brought up a real big point it's it's the older battle tomes that don't have the holy within and don't have the unmodified six mechanics that now that most battle tomes have those mechanics those fuse that don't are becoming the exceptions which now they become the niches where we find little broken rules little things we can take advantage of and the fewer of those exist the more the ones that are left over become those sort of niche problems yeah let's talk a little bit about our favorite battle tomes you know the battle tomes that we've seen that maybe have been you know the ones that are say uh the closest to how the story depicts them and useful and competitive and beat face and relevant to the you know regular uh or current say meta at large or who have made a lasting impact in 2019 um Jeremy, let's start with you. What do you think out of all 12 or even more battle tomes that have uh, been around this year, which one has stood the test of time? <laughs> well, obviously Fireslayers. Come on. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'm asking the, I mean, especially when they had that standalone GoTrek book, you know, that one definitely, uh, definitely takes the cake in terms of all the criteria listed uh, <laughs> so, uh, based on those. No, but in all seriousness, I think the my favorite book in terms of mechanical play, uh, new and interesting ways of playing the army differently was the Orc Warclan book. Uh, in terms of balance level, nothing is overpowered in terms of like performance. It's, you know, it's, I would say it's not top tier, but it's middle tier. Uh, all the armies are incredibly fluffy. Um, I only wish they added, like, they added more models to the line in this year, but they didn't, uh, which is unfortunate. But the book is incredibly well written. And I, I think it's probably my favorite book uh, of the year for both uh, fluff and especially rules writing. So. The thing I I like about that book as well is it really revitalized a needed faction like between Iron Jaws and Bone Splitters and Destruction as a Grand Alliance. I think this oh, yeah. book was like 
the book that's just like really did it for destruction players like yes orcs are good again they are not the redheaded stepchild they have good rules this is a solid book that was given a lot of attention so that i I, yeah that is a really nice book what about you garrett what's your book of the year (laughs) uh my book of the year honestly i'm gonna have to say sylvaneth um the i i played the corn book a lot and i was not really impressed with it um and then you know there's obviously the books that i did not like because they're a little overpowered but sylvanus which is once i started playing with it it mechanically is really satisfying to play because they can do a lot of things in every single phase of the game um it's not a poor performing book and it's it's very thematic in the way that they just use the trees and i it, i feel good every time i play my sylvaneth force and i just i really like like how well-rounded the book is like none nothing feels overly bad in the book like everything feels like it has a place and there's nothing that is just like a shining example of the best thing in the book and i just it just feels like a book that is just like harmonious within itself. And it just is really, really nice to play. And I really like, and I feel like it's a very underappreciated book. Okay. How about you, John? What, what, what do you think? Well, my, my thoughts were a little scrambled there as uh, my son just came home. And I had to go rescue him from getting eaten by the new dog. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, my answer, much like Jeremy, um, right off the top of my head, I'm going to talk about Skaven. Um, you know, as you guys know, I played Skaven since uh, the day Age of Sigmar came out, uh, struggled with no battle tome, uh, struggled with the old Pestilence battle tome, all this good stuff. And so when it finally dropped, uh, my life was complete. I had uh, a wonderful time this entire <laughs> year playing this this new Skaven battle. Tome. Now, as far as balance goes, um, the Skaven battle tome, in, in my opinion, was one of the first really big aggressive battle tomes where they tried to tie uh, a lot of stuff together because the Skaven line itself was so large. I mean, arguably you could have done smaller battle tomes for each of the clans. um, Whereas they just kind of tied everything together. So right out the gate, there were some power curve issues. There were some point issues. Uh, We've seen that the points levels and rules have been adjusted twice from this battle tome throughout the year. And I suspect we're not done seeing adjustments in that battle tome to kind of bring it in line. So uh, so for me, some of the high points were actually the fact that each clan has uh, unique rules and rules that make it feel like you are playing uh, the various clans, obviously Pestilence being uh, where I like to play most of the time, but I do own models from various clans. And though I don't talk about them much, I have played games uh, with all the various clans throughout the year and have, have had a good time, though not all of them are competitive as it were. Um, now, as far as favorite units and stuff that goes, I personally thought that the gnaw holes were a really cool addition uh, to this particular battle tome to the Skaven line. So um, as much as I like my monks, my screaming bell, uh, I could, you know, claim the warp seer and its awesomeness and uh, trigger uh, Jeremy through uh, fits of frenzy and what have you. And and maybe as far as a unit on the field, the plague furnace has certainly done me well. But those gnaw holes for me added a, a very unique sort of gameplay experience. The idea of placing the gnaw holes, the strategy, even the psychology behind where I place them. Am I going to use them in a way to draw one or two of my enemy's units to try and protect them? Am I going to try and set up a late game pounce? Uh, am I going to use them defensively to just move freely across my entire deployment zone? Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with those gnaw holes. Um, they're powerful. Um, there's a few things that would have made them broken and over the top by by limiting it to a single unit per turn and having to have a character in, nearby to activate that motion. I think that keeps it in line. That's um, funny. Um, it being obscuring terrain. Uh, that brings up a lot of uh, questions for people that don't read the rules. So that's always funny to talk about. Hey, you can't put models on the gnaw hole. What are you talking about? The rats are coming out of the gnaw hole. How could they not be on the gnaw hole? Uh, those kind of funny situations come up. Uh, so anyway, so that's for me. That is uh, was Skaven. I liked the gnaw holes, but honestly, I think the entire battle tome uh, was well put together, even if 
from a power curve perspective, it maybe isn't quite where it, it needed to be. And I think, again, uh, that they they knocked it down a little bit. They've now knocked it down a little bit more. I personally think they've gone a little too far, but uh, I haven't played enough at the new points levels to really decide if that's the case. Uh, uh, what do you guys think uh, as far as that the Skaven Battle Tome and its adjustments? Was it uh, too much, too little, or uh, or what have you? Oh man, that's a great question. I personally think that they were a little too heavy-handed. Um, you know, despite playing lots of games against Skaven this year and uh, wanting vengeance against Skaven, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I think that they started off incredibly strong, and they're still, of course, very useful. But I think that yeah, the again, I I personally think that they were a little you were thrown a little too far under the bus yeah i think the adjustments were fine i mean i it's like james has been right there with you uh john playing skaven since the beginning of warhammer age of sigmar even before that back in warhammer fantasy and then he was playing scryer all the time and then when skaven book dropped i had the um unpleasant experience of having to constantly play against his skaven and it was Every time the new points would come out, it was just like, nope, it's still abusable. I think the latest points things may have gone over a little much, and I think some they might adjust down points a little bit here or there. But overall, like I think the point adjustments have been solid because Skaven has been knocking it out of the park since release with no problems. Oh, that, you know what, Garrett? you uh, Your comments there actually just triggered a, an interesting thought for me. Um you remember before we, when we, especially when we were um, kind of this time last year, some of the early episodes, we were looking more at statistics and stuff. And one of the things we were noticing was that Stormcast Eternals occasionally do well because there are experienced players who have played them a long time and wield them very effectively. But for the most part, Stormcast Eternals are played by newer players, which actually pulls down the curve on them. And with what you were just saying, it, it occurred to me that maybe the opposite is true with Skaven and maybe a couple other factions that are out there where, you know, people don't jump into Skaven typically. Uh, most Skaven players I know, most people I've played against are people who have owned and played Skaven for X number of years, X number of editions. And so most of the time when you're going up against your typical Skaven player, you actually have somebody like myself or James who knows these units well, who has used these units on the battlefield for many, many years. And does that actually up the power curve or perceived power curve of that particular battle tome by having, shall we say, typically more experienced players as opposed to, say, like Stormcast, where you typically have less experienced players that lowers the perceived power curve of that particular battle tome? That's uh, That's an interesting point. Uh, I, th- I think we talked about that earlier, and I do think that is definitely the case because the people who do play Skaven, they already owned all the models, which is one of the biggest barrier of entries into the faction. And so they've been, they had all of the ins and outs of the army dealt with so that when they picked it up, they already knew how to abuse it from the get-go. So, Yeah, yeah I, I think that's, uh, there's some merit to that thought. Interesting. What about you, Alex? Uh, what what excited you this year, Bone Daddy? Yeah. Well, um, I you would typically probably think that I would say uh, that an OBR like OBR would be the best. I mean, it's what I run right now, and I really like it. I like the fluff. I like the story. It's basically AOS Necrons. I am down with it. AOS Necron Accountants. However. Uh, I wouldn't say that they are my favorite battle tome of 2019. I'm actually going to go in the opposite direction that you went with uh, War Clans and say Cities of Sigmar is my favorite. Mm. It's my uh, least favorite. Oh, well, that's because you have to play against James and his cities list. <laughs> um, I like the cities armies, uh, the city battle tome for a variety of different reasons. Now, is it the one that's winning all the tournaments? No. Is it doing pretty well? Yes. But on top of that, you know, it's a real great way, and we've talked about this before, John. It's a great way for people to get into the game. You know, maybe it's the person who's inherited a huge Warhammer fantasy army, an empire army, um, or a high elf army, or a dwarf army from their friend. 
Um, maybe it's a person uh, who no longer wants to be associated with those mutants and subhumans over in Ninth Age. Uh, maybe it's a player who uh, honestly didn't like Age of Sigmar when it came out because kind of like Destiny of the Video Game, you know, it took a whole year of it being released for the actual game to really come through. Same goes for Age of Sigmar. I feel like maybe, uh, uh, you know, for the people who have that, uh, you know, whole empire army, now they have they had the ability to use it. Or like we talked about and joked when Cities of Sigmar came around, you know, you have that friend who's got an army that they can easily bring into AOS but they haven't really taken the dive. If uh, you know, it was it's an opportunity for you to go. Ha! You have an army that's eligible to be a Cities of Sigma army. Get off your ass and play some goddamn games. Um, so I think that that battle tome has been my favorite for this year. Um, and that's not even talking about the tactics involved. You know, you have so much variety in what city you want to run, what type of list you want to run. You know, when cities came out, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy and I were talking about, um, you know, a, a list that was based on the Phoenix uh, city and having a lot of mortal wound output and Phoenixes with gyro bombers. But I fought against uh, lists that were in the, um, you know, the, the wizard in the casting heavy city that's filled with, um, you know, 800 points worth of endless spells and six wizards, you know, um, that all bu can buff each other in different ways. Um, you know, being able to use the endless spells and use their max ability just by being in a city's army, you know. Um, I've seen armies that have utilized the Duradin and, or the, you know, the, the standard Duradin battle line and, uh, you know, Eternal Guard to the utmost degree in order to make sure that you have armies that are incredibly hard to move, especially in there if they're in cover. Um, and, you know, aren't the worst in combat either. So I think that there's just so much flexibility involved in uh, that tome. I, uh, I kind of don't like the book for the same reasons you like the book. It's funny. Because uh, <laughs> I think the book had, like, too much abusable mechanics and its flexibility like all of its abilities are always very just flat pluses to hit pluses to wound so you're just removing dice from the equation by just having everything hit on wound on twos and have two up saves re-rolling everything and then uh as far as like i honestly i i was i'm more upset that this bit came out and then shortly after uh the old world game was announced so because i feel like there's this holdover of a lot of players who I guess play Age of Sigmar, but tend to not like complain about it and stuff. And I felt like Cities of Sigmar was a way to like cater to them. And then they gave them the game that they actually wanted. And so Cities is kind of like this book that I feel like doesn't really belong in the game. Like it does, like it's, it just feels awkward. And all of those models should be in Warhammer Old World. And yeah. so, yeah, I, 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 so I was like, agree. I, I just I just don't think cities belongs in Sigmar and like I know a lot of people who play cities and like I have nothing against them, but it's just I I always felt like there was a group of people that were very kind of begrudgingly staying in the game waiting for their like free people's book or something like that. And I feel like they might have just been happier playing Warhammer Old World and I don't like that cities kind of allows them to keep trugging along in this game, I guess. So it's an awkward, it's an awkward opinion, but it's one that I have. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't totally disagree with, with that opinion, Garrett. It's, it's kind of, it's parallel to what I've said about this battle tome originally was that to me, it felt like it's, it's there to entice all these older grognard players. I mean, I know so many people, that still have legions of square based elves and, and stuff like that. And, and all their old dwarves or whatever they were into a, a dark, dark elves and all that good stuff. And I thought this was a way to bring a lot of those people out of the closet. And like you said, by giving them something strong and easy to play uh, entices them right into uh, playing some age of Sigmar. Um, I, I don't even want to really comment on the old world part of it because beyond the mention of it, I, there, we still have yet to see what that really is going to play out to be. Um, but as far as the other side of it is, I think that this was kind of a, 
uh, shall we say, a soft pitch to a lot of uh, players who maybe had armies on the shelf. And once again, uh, unlike the Skaven battle tome that, you know, kind of catered to people that were probably still playing the game and had these you know, nice big collections, this is more catering to people who had nice big collections but maybe weren't playing the game quite as much. And then the flip side of it is we're obviously seeing some uh, more power gamer types uh, who are instantly building some of these Cities of Sigmar armies, or even more importantly, we're already abusing the uh, Free People's armies and then kind of rolled the rest of these units over here and, and made them that much better. Okay, well, I guess I'm in the uh, unpopular opinion department. Cool. That's tight. <laughs> but you're allowed to have your opinion, and I respect you for it, Alex. And you're allowed to be wrong, so that's fine. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't even hearing a right or wrong in any of that. Uh, just, you know, different sort of different sides of the same coin, as it were. Of course, of course. And, you know, there's, of course, there's, there's going to be, um, you know, armies that, you know, vibe with other individuals more than more than others. You know, when Heathenites came out, that was a big controversy. And, uh, you know, when OBR came out, you know, it was a bit of a controversy, a lot less so, but still. You know, and of course, when Slaves came out just a few weeks ago, there were people a little too concerned about that one either. So, well, we're still know. waiting on the FAQ for that book before we um, give up. Uh, oh, we truly are. That is yeah, like, we're, we're, we're still worried about Slaves until that FAQ drops. Right. And well, and that and Slaves is also one of those books where it's catering to people that have a lot of stuff in their collection. But it's also one that I think is going to cause people to start new collections. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things where I didn't see a bunch of people going out and starting Skaven when that came out. But by gosh, uh, Cities of Sigmar uh, enticed a few people in and... Uh, this one, this one is definitely bringing people in uh, with the slaves to darkness. So, uh, like you said, we'll have to see what what happens with that because um, I don't think we've even seen how broken that battle tome is yet. In fact, I'm real curious to see what we get at LVO with some uh, some people digging, digging deeper into their collections and going for the most broken stuff at one of the biggest games of the year. Hmm. I mean, I'm certainly confident that I've seen the most fuck shit slaves lists imaginable, but that's just because I play with Jeremy a lot. Well, again, um, yeah, unique situation. Not all of us go down into the uh, dungeon of iniquity with Le Bogeyman, and uh, <laughs> I doubt many of us would come out whole or sane as you have, so it's all understandable. <laughs> Yeah, like Sisyphus. Uh, that's how I feel. <laughs> like Sisyphus. Uh, <laughs> <goodness>. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, you know, now that we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, our favorites of 2019, let's uh, let's look at the road ahead. And with that, uh, what are we looking forward to in 2020? You know, we've talked a bit about how Seraphim are, are going to need some love. And Garrett, you yourself did mention that you uh, do expect or, or can predict uh, likely release for Seraphim by March, which is really just right around the corner. And we've talked, of course, about how the, you know there has to be some sort of high elf faction or likely some high elf or Tyrion and um, or, you know, Tyrion style or Teclas style uh, elf army that is, of course, not the, uh, you know, not the Iden of Deepkin. But, uh, John, what are you looking forward to? Sure, in- sure. You know, it's it's a thing. You know, I don't uh, I don't spend a lot of time uh, kind of hitting up the the rumor mill and, and searching out, out those kinds of things, you know. Uh, but uh, some things do come my way. Now, as you guys know, I play uh, a few different armies. I mostly talk about Skaven because that's my largest and most passionate collection. But, you know, I also have mm-hmm. Stormcast, Corn, Maggotkin, Eidneth. I even have some Slaves to Darkness. And so for me, uh, I'm looking at two things that would really make me happy in this next year. And then one is my Eidneth collection. Uh, when Eidneth first came out, I got super excited. Uh, I saw the turtle. I saw the eels. I said, oh, my gosh, these are the coolest models ever. I got them. I built them. I did some great modeling. I started painting the army. I started playing the army, and uh, I'll be honest with you, though I've done well with it, it's not the the funnest army for me. So 
I would look forward to a new Ideneth battle tome uh, that kind of uh, revamps. I, I, I really would love just like a complete redo of everything they are and kind of see what that looks like. But even just some tuning in and maybe a couple more models and just uh, kind of make them a little more playable, usable, less kind of mono eel uh, out on the tabletop. I think that would would make me real happy as far as as far as that goes. And I think that's a reasonable ask. And then the other one, which would actually, as much as I would like Idenith, um, and I would start playing them if a new Battle Tome came out. Uh, the biggest thing that I'm hoping for this year is a new Maggotkin Battle Tome. Uh, as you guys may remember, last year, two weeks before the LVO. I got a, a wild hair, uh, uh, maybe a, a, a butt pustule, as it were, because we're talking about Magikin. But anyways, I, I got a wild hair that I wanted to play some Magikin. So in two weeks, I bought and built an entire uh, Magikin army, complemented with some uh, Skaven Pestilence and stuff, and had a great deal of fun playing that army. Played it at the uh, LVO, played it for a few months, uh, but kind of found that it, it it lacked some oomph. You know, it has some nice mechanics, but it's not quite the army I was hoping for. So... For me to get Maggotkin uh, fired back up, that would be an amazing thing. And especially since I've been, I'm a little burnt on Skaven after playing them for a whole year now. So uh, uh, kind of ready to switch channels. And the reason I mentioned those two is, is I'm a little excited with the facts that came out and uh, updates that came out around Christmas time earlier this month. Both of those <clears throat> factions got some adjustments to their points and a few other things. And it, it has me thinking, okay, well, maybe... GW is actually starting to look at these factions, and the reason we got some points adjustments and other stuff is based on what's actually in the queue for these two factions. So that would be uh, my biggest hope would be Maggotkin and Ideneth, uh, Alex. Uh, I know you don't play either of those factions, but uh, but that would certainly make Johnny happy. <laughs> <laughs> and we always do want to make sure that you're happy. Uh, okay, what about you, Garrett? Well... I am super excited about the Zinch release because I, for the longest time, have constantly been saying Zinch's errata is bigger than its battle tome. Um, and so I have been just like waiting for Zinch to finally get a rewrite. Like it's been, it's been like pre 2.0, they've needed a rewrite. And Blades of Corn got a new one like a year, like way before they needed to compared to Zinch. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. I'm really excited about the Carriage and Overlord one too, because Carriage has been this like really awkward faction that was super exciting. It came out and then everyone was like, Oh, it's kind of boring. Um, and it's very, it's just, it didn't play the way that people were hoping. And so, uh, I'm excited about that. And then, uh, Seraphon it's, it's the last battle tome, a pre GHB battle tome that needs to come out. Lizards are kind of in a, weird spot where they're basically a one shtick summon a bunch of skinks call it a day mechanic and it'd be nice to see their whole army get rebalanced and revitalized and see a bunch of uh, dinos riding dinos go chomping around the immortal realms so i and i'm as you said i do believe that seraphon will be getting a release very soon and we, we have the lvo um the preview session for games workshop at lvo and whatever gets revealed there if uh the previous years have shown it has to come out before adepticon's preview so because whatever is preview at lvo will come out before adepticon's preview in march so i'm i'm guessing that we'll see seraphon at lvo and then it'll come out shortly thereafter but outside of the what's probably going to happen i would love to see like a soul blight book because after uh seeing archon and agash get re-released in ocr bone reapers i was like well where is nephi and manfred then and yes. since yeah and since both of them are soul blight characters while archon was not i think a soul blight book that could upgrade uh archon and no, not archon manfred and neferata and get another mortar because you know nagash needs more mortarks and then get some cool vampire like cavalry new new blood knight kit maybe some walking blood knights with great swords or something and just like and then honestly get rid of the legions of nagash book take all of the walking infantry throw them in a soul blight book and update everything and call it a day i mean that that point at that point you have soul blight uh Osiric bone reapers flesh eater course and night haunt you have four strong factions in the death grand alliance 
uh, Grand Alliance Destruction only has four factions. So actually, I think they have three now. So yeah, I'd be okay with only four death factions if they're all strong and solid and have all the Mortarks in them and stuff. So I'd really like to see that, actually. I appreciate your sentiment on that. And I myself have been wishing and wanting, and you know, you've all heard me uh, clamor about uh, you know, a Soulblight book or the want of... However, I don't know if it would have, if you have that kind of thing, it would, I feel like it would also have to be something that doesn't have um, all the small bits, that, you know, like there's no reason to have, um, you know, the, the skeletons and then and like, you know, if we're going to go strictly with soul blight, how, how does a mortal, you know, uh, a necromancer, how do death mages fit into it? How do, um, you know, how do, yeah, how do zombies, how do death rattle fit into Well, it? maybe not uh, make it a flat Soul Blight book, but make it a Soul Blight release that's kind of like an Orc Warclans or something like that. Just because, I mean, basically make it the old Vampire Counts. Because Vampire Counts had Necros in it, they had zombies in it, they had skeletons in it. Just basically re release Vampire Counts as a book that lets you update Nefrata and Manfred, get some new vampire based in units in there for your new kits, and then update all the Legions into Gash units. And then come GHB, don't let Legions of Nagash be in a new army. So this army gets released before the General's Handbook. And then when the General's Handbook comes out, get rid of Legions. That's what I'd like to see. So, I mean, are you basically talking about combining death down to two battle tomes at that point? Four. No, no. Flesh Eater Court. Oh, Flesh Eater Haunt, Courts. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Soul Blight and Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Yeah. I mean, four battle tomes is pretty good for death and destruction. I mean, it's not bad. We don't, not every Grand Alliance needs 17 battle tomes. I mean, Chaos only has seven. Or is it even seven? Because you have the four gods, uh, Beasts of Chaos and Skaven, and yeah, then uh, Slaves of Darkness. So they only have seven battle tomes. So four is only three less, and it's a much smaller range. So I'm okay with four in Grand Alliance death. Hmm. Good guess. Uh, I like that. I, I, I like this idea. I think it's it's worthwhile. We're gonna have to see what happens. Um, I don't know if we're if that's the way it's gonna go, or even if we're gonna see a soul blood army. I, I'm a little bit more pessimistic than you are about that, <laughs> but I will welcome it with open arms. Yeah, I, I know how it yeah. is. With you got that whole uh, old 40k mentality going on. You know, you don't want to. Hope only leads to disappointment, right? <laughs> hey, my sis oh, my yeah. plastic sisters finally came out. I have all the hope in the world. Oh yeah, and I my built hope them has all. been revived. Amazing, amazing kit. Have you built them yet, Garrett? I haven't even bought them. Oh, well, you, you enjoyed. <laughs> I spent an entire day of my vacation building uh, all the sisters of battle. Uh, all the canonesses, all the limited edition stuff. I built some Celestine, and I even built uh, an entire Ecclesiarchy. I basically went hog wild wow. and put together everything. And, and yeah, no, I have about a thousand point force now. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, I've been so focused on Age of Sig Bar, it's been hard to even look at 40k. So I've got, I have my whole sister army, but it's weird. I can't even buy the Sister Battle Codex, it's not available in digital form. Like, technically sisters hasn't come out yet so it's like i can't even play my army so i'm kind of like eh, i guess i'll just wait for an actual release rather than that november pre-release box set yeah so that's, we'll that's see all it is is it but it is a full battle tome i mean physically in my hand is an absolutely gorgeous battle tome and uh, or codex or whatever it's called in 40k um not to go too loose on it i just will make a comment about the sisters of battle and it's the same comment i would make about most of our battle tomes in age of sigmar these books have 10 15 20 pages of rules on how to play the game which is awesome but the other two-thirds or 75 percent of these books is fluff and art and uh you know shall we say fantasy or faux history all of that stuff and to me that that is where you get the real enjoyment out of, you know, whatever faction you're going to play. Again, if we're talking 40K Sisters or whatever we're talking about in Age of Sigmar, Skaven, Ossiarch, Bone Reapers, it's, it's by learning their story and learning who these characters are that you then get to uh, sort of project yourself into the generalship, project yourself into the army, and it just ups the level. You know, it's, it's to me... It's when you engage this hobby uh, as a hobbyist, as a painter, uh, as a, an enjoyer of fiction, and then as a general on the tabletop. That's how you get the most out of the uh, the GW experience. So, uh, 
So whether we're talking some new Sisters of Battle, which I, I assure you you're going to enjoy when you dig into the fluff and all that, uh, or whether we're talking about, <clears throat> you know, some maybe some combined uh, death factions. I'm, I can't wait to look at those those fluff bits. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I love the idea. Like, I've been playing a bunch of Total War Warhammer, and I've been playing against Bretonnia, mm-hmm. and just thinking, uh, and they have f- uh, foot great sword they're knights that are foot but using great swords i'm like those would be dope vampires like you have vampires on mounts with lances and shields and you got vampires on foot with great swords and heavy armor and i think that would just be a great addition to the death factions oh. so i'm like heavy armored vampire unit elite vampire units um so i i i just i like to dream i'm in a moment i'm in a time period where i'm like i like to dream and i think that would be some really dope stuff if they did that Oh, yeah, I, I would super get into that. You're talking about like an actual vampire battle tone yeah. with, yeah. with full on. We would basically have vampires and like like skeletons and ghouls maybe as mm-hmm. no, no ghouls and then, skeletons, zombies, some death mages and then vampires. You got then, far geists, you got blood knights, uh, you got foot knights, you got uh, vampire lords. Give them a new vampire like the Legion Clavicos. Give some vampire lord and some badass nightmare uh thing and then you got oh yeah zombie no no dragons. i got it yeah. it would be a big four poster bed with yeah. one badass vampire <laughs> and his harem kind of all over it it would be the ultimate table t- it might even be a terrain piece yeah awesome. so uh, i think that would be cool something like that would would pull me so hard into the death faction i mean as far as that goes i mean it's the only reason and and not the only reason but one of the real reasons i don't play the death faction is I know too many people that play Death Faction. <laughs> I mean, it, it totally <laughs> yeah. interests me. I would love to play it, but by gosh, I am surrounded by Death players. So, uh, I mean, I, I got to say, um, that's what got me into Age of Sigmar. I mean, uh, for those who don't know, even before Death had any battle tome, I was playing with a Soulblind army, and it was a 23-model army. It was just um, Tina to five Blood Knights, um, nine Vargais, uh, and then it was uh, three um, vampire lords, and uh, oh no, actually it was, it was a little bit more than that. Yeah, it was uh, yeah nine vargais, two units of five blood knights, um, three vampire lords on on nightmare, and a vampire lord on zombie dragon. Yeah, it was an so, awesome was, army. Yeah, I remember when you were doing awesome the army. hobbying part of making all those different vampires and stuff, dude. That you did a really nice job with that. Thank you. And, and I, you know, I, I have them. I see them every day when I go into the living room. It's an awesome army. And my whole idea was like, I loved like, um, growing up, I had played a lot of like the legacy of Kane series of video games. And those are, um, uh, for those who don't know, it's a real tragic story about a fantastic video game series based on like a, an anti-hero, which is a vampire in this like made up world. And, um, like the game was going, like they were really progressing the story and they had a, a side story with like a new character who's trying to kill your main character in like a series of vengeance called soul reaver, uh, the, that video game series. And they, eventually paired the two series of games together um like you know hinting at a whole new game series and then the entire um the entire studio went down and it'll just unless someone picks it up it'll never be done again and it's just such a great like the voice acting the the game for its time was amazing um and the whole idea was about like vampires and like soul reaver was the first game i got into so you're trying to like kill this king guy and all of his underlings but all of his underlings are these like vampires and like the f- very first like uh cinema cinematic is about how like your character got like cast into the abyss because he like evolved past his master and like grew wings but like in the time he's been dead and revived and like now he's like a zombie who like feeds off souls instead of instead of blood you know he's going and he's trying to kill each one of his brothers these like princes of their own domain and they've all like mutated and evolved over time so they're no longer vampires and they're they're maybe their underlings are heavy armored vampires like they were but now there are these like monstrous gothic disgusting looking things oh, nice. that are like real it's a huge total grimdark game super awesome so i've always had that idea it's like you know you think of like vampires you, you, you some people will think and like make fun of and make the twilight reference some people will think of you know things like you know uh you know more like culturally appropriate re- or popular references like you know the true blood stuff or even uh people who think of you know Anne rice novels with these like romanticized uh you know ideas but you know i love this whole aspect of like the more um 
like militant, like heavy armor, like Bretonia, but they, they also drink blood kind of vampires, you know? So like these heavy armored cavalry that like, will just kick your shit in. Uh, and well, that's um, like reading some of the, the Von Karstein and some of the old world vampire total. novels. Like those were amazing. Well, absolutely. Yeah. My, my army was based around that. You know, I think it was called like Knights of Aberash because Aberash was like the first blood knight in warmer fantasy uh, lore. Um, yeah. And I think even then in the end times, they ended up, uh, Aberash and his knights, even like they, they died alongside Bretonians. He like went back to Bretonia and was just like, well, we're going to save you guys against Nurgle. And I mean, they didn't, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would love the idea of a, a soul blight army so hard. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see. So we all have our predictions in, um, you know, we have more predictions for our listeners to uh, dive in with as we also get closer to LVO, because of course we want to talk about LVO. Um, in the meantime, if there's something you'd like to hear, uh, do, uh, let us know. You can always review us on, uh, Apple podcast on Facebook, uh, at the wide world of war gaming or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this is uh, however, uh, going to be John Garrett, Jeremy, and, uh, myself alex signing off for the night you guys have a great evening night folks pay attention the next night. couple weeks garrett and i have some uh, amazing announcements and we got some great coverage pre lvo coming up look forward to seeing all you guys in vegas in a few weeks night good night winning is not a sometime thing it's an all the time thing you don't win once in a while and you don't do things right once in a while you do them right all the time winning is a habit